0: good Friday everyone welcome to the volquest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis and Austin Price I'm Brent Hubs. glad to have you along with us it's a mailbag edition of the podcast plenty to get to before we jump into the mailbag questions uh, takeaways on what Tennessee got accomplished this week on the fr- on, on the practice field based on Jeremy Pruitt's comments seeing a couple of days of practice any takeaways from Tennessee this week
1: I mean six open periods I can't say we gleaned a whole lot you know uh, I think you kind of you and I talked about it walking off the field. You see kind of the continued confidence of a guy like Darnell Wright. Um, obviously, Tennessee is extremely thin at inside linebacker. Jeremy Banks, when we were out there, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday, could barely move w- with that ankle. And then you had, what's his name, um, Aaron Beasley in a, in, a, in a non-contact jersey to boot. Uh, and and that's when you only have five, I guess five scholarship guys there to begin with. So, that group needs to get healthy in a hurry. When you're about to face a running team in ten days, you know, or, or in a week here uh, against Georgia. But are you, you sure that be.
2: was a non-contact jersey? I thought it was like volleyball with, with Beasley. Like when they wear the libero. Ones. Oh yeah, different Switching. <laughs> Side out, <laughs> Rogier, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so
0: seriously, five <laughs> times. You know, it's one of those deals where. You know, Rob, it, it's interesting the inside linebacker position because with the loss of Shannon Reed and Will Ignat, not that either one of those were going to be considered all-conference players, but Ignat started the game where R- Shannon Reed was playing. They're, they are a, a bad ankle sprain away or a flare-up of Daniel that's, Batulli's that's, knee away from being in real I trouble. That's which JJ is Peterson's, realistic.
3: It's J.J. Peterson's music we hear. could be... the one of the GQ's favorite enigmas could be getting getting a call up at any point. Because I
0: mean, who's I mean, who's three? I mean, Banks is your third inside linebacker, right? If he can move, if he's healthy, yeah. okay. Behind Henry and who's four? I think it's got to be JJ. I don't see how he can move
2: by next week. I mean, like I, I know you've got ten day. days, but the last two days, man, he has
1: been rough. Which which, as Hub's kind of again, this is you know. Uh, some inside baseball stuff, but just when you're talking out on the field, Hubs made the comment, and I thought it was astute. Part of the reason they have him out there, what you could argue whether it's smart or, 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 or wrong, but Jeremy's clearly a guy, uh, Jeremy Banks is clearly a guy that needs to learn by doing, you know, by, by actively being involved in some of those walk-through drills versus having it written on a chalkboard, uh, but the problem is he still has to be moving out there, and, and as AP said, I mean, he does not look good right now.
0: I bet he got zero... Team stuff. When yeah, uh, I, I, mean, would, I, would, I, mean, I would. I would. I would imagine a lot more yeah. watching. But the individual stuff, he was not at fifty percent as, as he went through that. Quarterback. We're going to talk much more about the quarterbacks next week. We'll see what. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt's going to announce any major shakeups in his quarterback stuff. What What did you take away from his Wednesday talk? Of he, he wouldn't come out and say it's an open competition. He wouldn't come out and. And and really rip Jared by name, other than to say he needed to play better. But he did and make a, the ball over too much. He did make a couple comments about just not being productive at that position. What do you what do you think? What do you think their quarterback plan is?
3: I mean, I go to the question Jesse asked him in in his press conference. I mean, I think when, when Pruitt just un, I mean unabashedly admitted they were splitting reps up between not just Maurer and J.G., but all three guys. I mean, that, I don't know if that. Tells me that it's open competition necessarily, but it does. I mean, I'll be stunned if they don't have a plan to play one of those guys besides Jared
2: against Georgia. I think the the point of all this is they're going to give everybody every opportunity to beat out Jared, Trout, Maurer. Everybody's got equal opportunity to
0: earn the start against Georgia. Can somebody beat out Jared? Can you win that on the practice field? This point, it's not like you got a scrimmage coming up. Yeah. And, And look, we all we all know that Jared's been fine on the practice field for the most part it's been translating practice field to, to what what you do on saturday on the game field i mean can somebody actually w- win that jo- i mean you could you could say he was the best guy based on the practice field and i think we would all agree right now if you said next thursday okay um, before the georgia game jared jared was the best quarterback on the practice field would anybody doubt that probably not nope. but i don't think that i don't think that the issue which rob i go back to what you're saying I think you got to go and what Jesse you wrote. Go to plan, play and plan all of them. That's what I think. And because I mean, that, if you weren't, I mean, you, I, I,
3: it seems like you would clearly be giving Jared all the practice reps with the ones in the hope
0: that he would he would get better. And if Jared was done, you wouldn't have gone back to him in the second half at Florida. Well,
1: yeah, that is the greatest indictment or evidence that they have no plan right now. Now that's not to say they won't have a plan in a week, but the fact that they 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 clearly did not anticipate or go into the the Florida game thinking, hey, we're going to play a backup quarterback. Because if they did, Maurer's package would have looked a lot different. Uh, And then to go back to Jarrett after three or whatever series with Maurer, I mean, that was kind of tossing their hands up and saying, all right, what, what are we going to do? Now, I do think, again, it's just six open periods, whatever. But, you know, in terms of reps and snaps and whatever, Jarrett's still going first every time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I still think that yeah, he's the guy. I mean, I, I think you, know, you talk to enough people and, and you know, going back and when they watched the film, there was just, you know, while Jarrett has been not very good, the, the number of negative plays, perceived negative plays, I understand Mauer went down and let them on their own scoring drive, but what the coaches grayed out, the number of negative plays that Mauer had was pretty great. And so I just think that you know when they get to the, you know when push comes to shove, I think they may play multiple quarterbacks next week. But I think it's still going to be two's. He's going to get the line share of the of the you know series. Well, I think
1: I, you should play. I, I will say this: I think you should play multiple quarterbacks. Uh, we know Jared's ceiling is fairly defined at this point through three and a half seasons. I mean we he, we've seen it. And you've got uh,
0: sixteen quarters.
1: Well, yeah. 14 quarters, taking out the second half of
0: Chattanooga and you, to kind of know what he is. You
1: play the freshman knowing that absolutely the floor could be lower with those guys. But find out what you have. But my, my argument is I think a lot of people were, were quick to anoint Maurer as like, he should be the guy. I don't think we know anything more about Brian Maurer than we know about J.T. Stroud. Than we, that so we you, knew about Will McBride yeah, a couple so years ago. So if you play, if my, in my opinion, if you're going to play one, find out what you have in both of them. Well,
0: and I think the other thing is, if you're going to play Jared, Rob, before we get into questions here, if you're going to play Jared, you you've got to change what you're doing to help him. I mean, you can't continue to do what you've done, you know, in the four games to to this point. You've got to help him out, limit it, simplify. I don't know what you do, but you've got to try to make it easier for him to be more successful.
3: I'm to the point where I mean, I I agree with you. Like, check with me at the you know once you get to the line of scrimmage. I mean, I, I think from what we've seen through four games, I mean, he is clearly you know, not making the right reads, not making the right decisions.
0: And um, I, mean, I, I think you've got to take some of the responsibility out of his hands. We'll see what they do next week. We'll see what the coaches and what Jeremy Pruitt has to say when he meets the media on Monday. Again, I don't think he's going to tip his hand on anything, but we'll see if we can try to glean what their plan is going into the Georgia game all right let's jump into the mailbag questions here uh, number one comes from Steven Valonzo Jackson Rob Lewis thoughts on euros impact should he receive his waiver uh, Steven's already moving on to the basketball world man. he's, he's good <laughs> I mean he's good to go I think it's it's huge and not 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 because
3: I think he's an all SEC player he's not but I mean I don't I mean I don't think you want John Fulgerson playing 25 26 minutes a game or you know Zach kid's gonna have a chance but I mean you I mean, he, we—he's not going to go from just being completely out of the loop to somebody that's going to be a quality SEC big man. I mean, I, he may have a chance to help you, but I mean, Uroš is a legit seven-one. He's two sixty. He can move. He'll be a rim protector. Um, I, I just I don't think you can really overestimate. I mean, it, it will really change the way Tennessee has, has to play basketball if he's not eligible. That
1: right. was a fun three weeks when Zach Kent was getting that buzz, though. Before some of these guys showed up on camp, <laughs> no, he's
3: going to have a shot to, to play. I mean, just because of the, the size factor, but right. But I'm not. I mean, he's not a, a legit, true big man like like Plavsic is. As
0: is the is the biggest the biggest thing he would bring to the table for Tennessee is the rim protector and part. I think defense. I mean. Just, and just the ability. Just to just don't have anybody man. else like that. I mean, full no, and that's not to say he didn't have offensive skill. No. I don't mean that, but to fill that Alexander role, albeit in a different way, because he's more physical from a side, you know, from a, a weight standpoint. But to play in that, to fill that role, that Tennessee's greatly going to miss. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just
3: it, it will completely change the dynamics of how they they play basketball if he's not eligible.
0: And the thought is, they hope to hear something in the next I mean, two to three weeks. Rick is is hopeful that. You know October
3: is kind of always what, he, what he's told me I, I talked with him about it again a couple of weeks ago um, he, he feels like Arizona State is not maybe not being cooperative I don't know that that they can you know they can't stop it but I think it's a lot easier if, if you know if you're not getting some pushback from the other side of things and you know I people remain optimistic I mean I, I not not to the point where people think it's a done deal and and I just – I mean, me me and you have been around long enough, but I don't know how you can ever feel like it's a slam dunk with the NCAA.
0: But but we'll we'll see if they're right. All right, let's go to uh, UT Sports Fan 28. How receptive, Austin, is Martavius French um, to Tennessee? How hard would it be to flip him if Tennessee wanted to go that way? And then for you and Jesse both, with the way this season has gone, do you expect Pruitt to change up his board and go aggressively after some other in-state kids committed to other schools? like Jesse, the offensive lineman committed to Duke that you were a fan of back uh, after the state tour and over the summer that you talked about and seeing him in some camps. Let's start first with French,
2: Austin. Uh, Martavis has been extremely receptive to Tennessee coaches when they've reached out to him. And they reach out to him several times a week and that's a credit to David Johnson for doing a good job of just maintaining that relationship even though he's committed to Arkansas. You know, do I think it would be real hard to flip him? Nope, Arkansas is as big a dumpster fire as Tennessee is. And there's a lot of merit to wanting to play for your home state, and all that you know can kind of goes into that you know with life after football. You know, just with the connections, you know, with, with people in state to get jobs, all those type of things. Just like you know, in, in any school, any school, you you know your home state school is always going to have that that you know kind of feel to it. Um, so I do think you know, I'm not saying the staff's going to do this. That's what I would advocate to do, because I, I think that one, he's big, he moves well. You know, got some deficiencies, but he's a guy that could definitely help you. He's better than some of these guys that they have. You know, let's say they want him as, a, as an outside backer, or a stand-up kind of guy like um, – uh, who's 13? DeAndre, DeAndre Johnson. DeAndre Johnson, yeah. Sorry, I lost track of my thought there. Uh, you know, he's every, you know, I mean, he's better than DeAndre Johnson. And he's already bigger than DeAndre Johnson.
1: Well, he's a similar size to kind of what like, like Crouch is right now. Yeah. He crouch is 250. Yeah, he's taller. Taller, yeah. Yeah, French is taller. French is taller,
0: a little bit longer, a little bit more prototypical for that outside linebacker. The only thing thing.
1: is, is that he, he, which is not, which is not a a huge issue. And I mean, I do think other guys at that. There's a reason why Tennessee has kind of pivoted there because they're likely the Savell Smalls is are are going to be harder and harder to get. but he is a guy that you know he plays inside so he would be learning a new position yeah learning a
2: new position but Worski's scenario he grows into a defensive end I mean which is very possible at his size well and that's what Arkansas wants him at right yeah I well mean, but, but the they but they run a four three and I'm talking about in the three
0: four right but um, I'm just saying they want him as a de- as a defensive end yeah. I mean, he's not playing linebacker for no for Arkansas's defense. no
2: correct and uh, and so uh, to me uh, he's uh, you know you if you want Bryson Eason and and potentially Omari Thomas, I mean, he's a guy that you, you, you really look hard at, you know, and even if you're not crazy about him, you know, he can help you. He's better than what you have now on the roster. And, you know, with this start, it's not like they're going to just be, you know, be turning kids away. I mean, like, I really think that Tennessee would be smart to kind of pivot on him. This is just, again, my opinion because it does help you with Eason. I think if you got French to flip, I think Eason would fall. Like that. Now, granted, they're going to start to push for McDonald too. That's the problem. There's
0: three, right? And not, you're not just gonna, two. They're not taking all three. I
1: know but the and, the and the the irony is, is that you, you'll talk to high school coaches, and they they actually think now it, he may just be an awesome high school player. But Tamarian, like McDonald's. he fla- he flashes on film all, more than Eason and French, and. But right now, he is committed to Mississippi State. But, yeah, but but the other two have the more prototypical college body. Right. Yeah. That The biggest problem with Tamarian is that he's a tweener. Yeah. If he was 10 years ago and you were still playing like a rover, yeah. you, you would maybe take him. But, you know, he's like 6'2", 218, you know. is he Is he actually a safety or is he an outside? So... That one's interesting uh, in terms of Graham. Uh, what's or or just
0: thing? and not just him, but I mean, you know, they they've offered you know they offered a Wake Forest commit. They 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 offer the offensive lineman up in Virginia th- this week. I mean, are they going to pivot on some guys like that, and in particular in state with Graham and others?
1: Yeah, I don't think you're going to see them go after Graham Barton. They, they be mainly because he's a guard, and and you know they're looking for tackles right now. Now, could that change if Fraggins or one of these guys ends up elsewhere, one of these interior guys, possibly? Um, but I don't when it, when I'm just kind of glancing at like the in state list right now, I don't see a bunch of obvious guys that they would attack outside of French uh in terms of flip candidates. They're not going to go after a p Dey Mcdonald. Ripka picked Kentucky over them. But
2: they're still swinging there. I they, mean, they are. They talk to Ripka quite a bit.
1: They are, but if Kentucky you know, has a decent season, it would be hard to surmise a, a flip there.
2: I'll say this, though.
1: He's already taken his official. And I'm not saying they're going to flip
2: yes. on Ripka. But the one caveat they do have is he's already taken his official to Lexington. And I understand it's just two and a two-and-a-half-hour drive up there. He's not taking an official here, so you would potentially have that in the a feather in your cap later on if things got a little more
0: interesting and you could get, yeah if you could get him to take that so but, but I don't think there's a lot of other flip candidates in it but that is going to lead that is going to lead into this next question from CL DeMarcus uh, also we were talking about this a little bit any chance Tennessee takes a look at Elijah Young
2: you know I, that's interesting to me again I, I go back to just the number of spots you're going to have I mean like you know you're, you're what you Three fifths of the way there, you know, with your current class, you're 15, you got
0: 15 14 right now. So three
2: fifths of your way there, you know. I mean, so I wouldn't close the door. I would continue to at least have conversations with him.
0: He has speed, and he has got a lot of speed, and. You know you can't but he teach that. He, he doesn't have size, which Jeremy Pruitt noted. Jeremy Pruitt noted on Wednesday when asked about Crouch. I mean, well, I mean, he's forty-two pounds heavier than everybody no, else. No, but he I, got. I
2: mean, but a lot you know, of the, but he wants a big guy. But see, that's where I would. I, I, I don't know. if I wouldn't recruit him as a running back. I would recruit him either as a defensive back, and or a slot wide receiver. What's Missouri wanting? Is uh, kind of a, a, a utility guy. An athlete. Guy, Okay. I mean, I think it's the offensive side of the ball, but I think it's more of an athlete, like, slot, you know,
1: third down back. Which is the side of the ball he wants to play on. Yeah. So. Heart, heart, that, that, one, that one would be an interesting sell, I think, for both sides, though. The way both sides kind of viewed each other. Oh, I agree. I mean, months. like,
2: French, the French thing makes so much more sense, because I think Easton potentially into Omari Thomas... And again, and they you also had ca- a lot warmer. Than yeah, you they had dumped young. on him. Yeah, like correct. They
1: dumped on Elijah. So yeah, no, no, agreed. Different. I
2: mean, like, you know, trying to get back in with the kid that's coming to Virginia Tech Greenback, uh, uh, you know, Bailey? Charlie, yeah, Darrell Bailey, trying to, you know, trying to get back
0: in with Elijah Young. To me, those are, are far more difficult because of the way you perceive those kids. All right, uh, CLD DeMarcus, or CL DeMarcus had one more question. Great Jim Chaney through four games to this point. Rob, you want to go first? I mean, I just.
3: I don't know that you, we have any idea what. I, I don't know how to answer it. The quarterback play has been so bad, I mean, and I don't know that you can blame Chaney for that. I mean, maybe you can. You know, maybe he should have known what he had on his hands in, in the preseason and dialed some things back or made adjustments, but I mean, uh, I just I have a hard – I mean, the offense has been really bad, but I mean, Jarrett's been so bad. I don't know how much you can put on the offense. Yeah, it's the
2: decisions, because I mean, some of the play calls have had guys run wide open, and Jarrett's just. You know, improvised, made the wrong read. I mean, my, my but he's the
1: highest-paid coordinator. The, 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 the I'm not saying devil, the, I'm not saying he deserves like added. a B or anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying
2: like to me, it's incomplete. Is what I'm
0: saying. Well, here would be my criticisms of it. I I mean, abandoned some of that, the run. some of that is a, it, is go. on Jared because he didn't do the thing. But I think you've abandoned the run in a Georgia State game way too early. Should have run the football. You know, take trying to take care of business that way. Um, and the other two, the other as well is they didn't find they didn't find answers early enough on the offensive line the way that they should have. Now you could say maybe that's Will Friend's fault, but we've seen how involved Jim Cheney's been to, to take a Darnell Wright and move him to guard the week of the Chattanooga game after never repping him at guard in fall camp and taking a look at that to the point that you came out of Chattanooga went into Chattanooga and came out and said, Hey Calvert at tackle, Darnell Wright at right guard is our best right side of the offensive line. We never worked that in fall camp or in the season opener when you played di- ten different combinations. I think you got to. I think you got to criticize. But, it for I, that think, I
1: think AP is AP's, AP's right. Right, incomplete is a fair grade. Incomplete's a fair grade because I would also add on. The, you know, because he has dialed up shots that the quarterback has just completely missed. They've also abandoned the run game. They didn't run the ball against Florida, even though the head coach comes out three days later and says these guys are all on the, you know, the best war daddy board or the four best guys we have. Uh, well, you didn't run the ball. And the red zone play calling. Outside of the fade to Callaway.
0: Against Georgia State.
1: Yeah, that, that has not been – he has not put his, his quarterback who is struggling in positions to succeed. In the red zone,
0: I would agree with that. Particularly when you brought it back to the middle of the field at Florida, where he struggled the most in the red zone is middle of the field throws. I'm with you, in- you know, incomplete, in- incomplete. He didn't get enough help from his quarterback, and his quarterback helped him. It would it'd be a better grade, but I do contend that there's a couple things that he should be denoted for or should be um, criticized for at this point. Radio Flyer Nine, uh, with how much insight you guys have on in-state recruits and their relationship with other in-state players. Do you ever provide information to the coaches on what the, on what players they should target and go after or land certain players? I asked this question in regards to what you said on the podcast about going after the Memphis kids a lot harder now since the season hasn't gone as planned and chasing all those out-of-state recruits. Well, I mean, we, just, we just broke all that down. Uh, we're not on weekly conference calls and recruiting meetings to tell the staff <laughs> who they should be recruiting and who they shouldn't be recruiting. No,
2: but I mean like... Yeah, yeah, I, You know, I do think that, you know, to a man, like, we do talk to the staff enough that we're like, you know, if they say, hey, you know, what are you hearing on, you know, Tyler Barron, you know, well, this is what we're hearing. I mean, I don't think we're ever suggesting, hey, you should do it this way, you should do it that way. I'm just saying, like, my opinion on French is if you want Eason and you want Omari Thomas, to me that's the quickest path to get one. And it does, at this point, seem like you probably will have a few spots left to fill in this recruiting class that, you know, if you're going to take a, a so-called reach on somebody, why not take a reach on a kid
0: that's an in-state kid that helps you with two other guys that you covet? All right. I agree with you. All right. I'm so vol says, Is the offer to Jasheen Davis at admission that Tennessee's top defensive line targets are moving in another direction? Are we beginning plan B for recruiting? Second question, why do you think Fulmer has been so quiet through all this? Let's take the, the Davis thing first. Well, I mean,
1: that, yeah, I mean, that, that's... Tennessee has lost traction with Oxidon. Yep. Jacoby Cowan's been quiet. He yep. didn't come visited, so you start going down that board. You like where you're at as AP, you know, noted on the on the S and P. We talked about uh, that. You know, still in a pretty good spot right now for Barron and Hardy, but you want to add another one. Um, so depending on how this French situation plays out, how you decide positionally what he is.
0: Well, and then what, where are you with with Omari Thomas? You know, yeah. is another one that you you covet. But how much is this hurting you? Yeah, maybe if, the Memphis thing helps. If you beat Georgia
2: State it, and Alante don't bust, and you're three and one right now, it feels totally different.
0: Then you know, it feels
2: totally different.
0: Right. No question, no question. Uh, you it's, know, it's a total different conversation. Um, all everybody, jumping here. Why has Fulmer been so quiet on this? Do you are you surprised? I'm not, not remotely surprised at all. I mean, just. Or four, four games, games into the season, yeah. I mean, what are you, you're going to come out and give him a vote, give him some kind of vote of and confidence. if you do that, a lot, lot of are people gonna are going to read.
3: I mean, as you said the other day, a lot of people are going to read that as a kiss of death. Like, you know, if the athletic director comes out and, and, and says something, I just don't. I mean, it's not. Tennessee's it is the
1: SEC. St- it's not Tennessee's way. It's the SEC. Yeah, it's way. not Tennessee style. Here's South Carolina, What Ray Tanner's <laughs> already come out for Will. Uh, I think what's his name came out for for Chad Morris at Arkansas. Yeah,
0: because the Arkansas has Walton. They, they, Arkansas has, unless Walton's right to check, they got a lot more problems yeah. in terms <laughs> of pay, like paying that paying that, <laughs> buy, paying that buyout out than Tennessee would have. Um, I, I think if you're talking about when's Fulmer going to say something, would he say something? I think you're looking around the Mississippi State game. I, I think That's that halfway point, half point. I think at that at that point is when you would see an appearance, some kind of public comments, quoted comments from Philip Fulmer. That would be that would be my guess because look if you you lose to Georgia which we all expect is going to happen, then you got Mississippi State and if you lose to that if if you don't win that one then you are one and then six. it's going to be really ugly because you're one and six and everybody the only question is going to be is he going to make it or not going to make it I think that's the timeline where you see you would see Philip come out and say whereas so.
2: if you beat Mississippi State and you're two and five exiting Bama. Not advocating that they're going to win four games and make to a bowl, but all of a sudden you do maybe climb out of that it's on potentially worst season in Tennessee history, right. which you know members of that you know 2017 team are you know. Well,
1: then it, the pivot game then for when he may or may not say something I think would be South Carolina. It, if you yeah. lose South Carolina, if you beat Mississippi State, but you still lose to South Carolina, I would think. The public would still need to hear something from the from the athletic okay. director.
0: I I think Mississippi State, regardless, is the time in which something is it, when you will hear. I think that's the earliest you would hear something from him, and I think that's the likeliest time that you would hear from him. Um, Obi Val Kenobi uh, asked me, but I'm going to ask all of you guys. I'll jump in here too. Uh, if you're the AD, what's your move here? Patience, action. You know, what are you gonna what are you gonna do at this point? If you're in Philip Fulmer's shoes, what are you doing?
3: I mean, I just don't know that there's a right answer. I got. I mean, my my stance on it is that unless you act, unless you have a plan, you show some <laughs> patience. I mean, unless you have your guy lined up and it, and it's done and, and you think it's a home run, you know, even though he's fallen on his face a little bit, like like Michigan did with Jim Harbaugh, or you know, that level, that quality of hire, then then I think, you know,
1: let's see what some stability does. I mean, I. And as embroiled as Harbaugh is, he's at least he, he did restore Michigan to its yeah, I mean, like top ten
3: for you know yeah.
1: top 10 ranking but I mean, they haven't beaten
3: Ohio
0: State or won a conference right. championship but they're relevant. They're, yeah, yeah, they're relevant. <laughs> well I, I, I think that, I think this is a viable question, more much more viable question post South Carolina because are you still with an outside shot at a bowl, something you can talk about you know and, and, and it's a tangible whether it's realistic or not, it's still on the table are Are you sitting there after South Carolina potentially one in seven if you don't win that game? Seasons officially lost because you would have nothing to play for postseason and everything
1: else?
0: I think the conversation about what you do becomes very different. I think right now you the reason Phil Fulmer hadn't said anything you don't want to your too early you're just sitting you're just standing pat and seeing what happens in terms of the development. Of I mean you're right team.
2: if you're one in seven or or flip it to the other side, let's say you somehow beat Mississippi State. And then you beat South Carolina because they've just been through such a murderer's row schedule and they're just beat to pieces. All of a sudden you're three and five with with four to go. And you are at that point at an outside chance of a bowl. All
0: right, let's get rolling here on some more questions here. Will, uh, 1978, over under five transfers by the end of the season, not counting players that have already left, how many assistant coaches do you think will not be retained? Again, I think it's too early on all that, but I do think there'll be multiple assistants. Who are not here next year? If this staff is back,
2: I'll go under that five and a half number between now and the end of the season. I think you've started to see the guys that were are going to leave. They're they're leaving because right now is the time to go. Yeah, after yeah, four games, you are still redshirt.
1: I mean, yeah. Jesse, I do think others are leaving though. I, I don't know if we'll get to. Be, I don't know if we get to five, but well, I, I mean, think will be. Some more I, we'll get but close. close. But, but will Yeah,
0: there'll definitely be some more leaving. 14 fourteen, fourteen. Aubrey Solomon, uh, question mark. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, That's what um, Tracy Rocker's asking. <laughs> almost certainly there will be staff changes come <laughs> December. How many? This guy wants to know the same thing. What, what are you looking at? You got three guys on staff whose contract expires. But Rob I, I don't again, I know everybody wants that answer on I'll September the twenty seventh. I just don't think it's realistic to to answer no, that question. I don't uh, think it's realistic. Uh,
2: no, but I'll break it down. If everybody wants transparency, I'll break it down. You got three guys on expiring contracts Winky Johnson Rocker. All right, you got Niedermeyer, who people are going to come after. That's four. T. Martin, I know just came back home, but, I mean, he's going to be a guy that other staffs covet. If he gets an offensive coordinator type role then where he's going to call plays, there's five. Then you got Rumpf, who I think people will come after since now he's going into year three. The buyout's lower. And then Kevin Scherer would be the other one. Same type thing. You know, and plus, I think Kevin may just look to move on his own because I mean he's so you you getting losing seven. I'm saying that the, the potential for seven.
0: Well, sure, there's a potential for all of it. I, I think I think that's no, but I mean, I when you looked at Phillip's staff
2: twelve years ago. Could you could you halfway through the season go? There's a potential for seven changes because I don't think you probably could. You could probably look and say, okay, that guy's probably not back, and, and, and you know, you maybe you could find three or four. But I'm just saying when you've got three expiring contracts, and then. There's going to be, naturally, a couple of guys that people are going to come after. You know, I mean, that's where I kind of keep saying the Dooley 2.0 going into year three, which is why if if they're going to be patient with Jeremy, they've got to show some, you know, commitment to the long-term rebuild and not just, you know.
0: Not just next year. Yeah, because at
2: the end of the day, I mean, you're going to have a tough time. Let's say, okay, let's say they just lose three. Let's say they re-sign one of the guys and they lose two and then they lose another. Let's say they lose three. Trying to replace three guys in what a lot of people are going to label as a lame duck year, or a guy that's you know you know a dead man walking, or whatever you want to call it. Or coaching it, for his job. Yeah, coaching for his job. You know that's going to be hard. I mean, you're going to have to offer multi-year deals, and it, even then, it's going to be tough to bring in top-level guys.
0: Yeah, not, I, don't, I mean, I, I think it's going to be fascinating once we get into November where it's at. I think right now it's all speculation, but you did paint out a. You know, a very potential, possible... I'm not saying you're yeah, wrong. Yeah,
2: I'm not saying that they're going to lose seven guys either. I want no one to to, to, under, to misrepresent what I'm saying. I'm just saying you. Th- these are the guys that... They're not going to lose the coordinators unless somebody's going to hire Ansley as a, a lower-level head coach somewhere. Jim ain't going nowhere, and Will Friend's not going anywhere. So that's the three that I think are, are deadlock safe, and then, you know, unless Jeremy moved on from
0: somebody. Right, I got you. All right, Ted Legal, your opinion on Pruitt in the following categories. Jesse, I'm going to start with He's got 10. I don't know if we'll get to all 10 of them here, but here we go. Um, coaching staff by positions. You like the staff?
1: It's fine. <laughs> I don't think it's the best staff in America.
0: Right. Recruiting evaluations.
1: I do think that, they've done a good job They're good that. at that.
0: Yeah, I, think they've done, I, mean, I think you're seeing some of that. Uh, recruiting overall, not just evaluations, but landing recruits. I,
2: I think again, they've done a really good job with that. Um, you know, where I think they've come up short was some of the short sightedness they had last year. You know, again, you 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 totally crapped on Joseph Anderson until the last week, and then tried to like, please don't go. And I mean, he at that point was gone.
1: I think they, some guys
2: They didn't. They didn't offer Chris Russell when he camped last summer, even though some of the people on staff wanted to. Others didn't. They didn't come back to bite him in the end. You know, I mean, I, I go back to that trio last year from Murfreesboro. I thought it was smart to not just, like, you know, cave on, on, on you know, guys that are ranked high, much like the last staff did. But at the same time, you know, they bring them in here and Pruitt basically says, y'all, you, you're not good here, you're not good here, you're not good here, you're <laughs> you just can't tear everybody down. I mean, like, at some point, like, you know, I, I think that's kind of where – that they've come up a little bit short is just kind of, you know, instead of just saying, okay, we don't really we're not crazy about this guy. Look at how they've handled French this year. Not crazy about French, but they've done a good job of continuing to at least cultivate it a little bit. That way, if they end up having to come back around to him, they've just not totally just poo-pooed on it.
1: I was just going to say very quickly that I think some on this staff are actually underrated as recruiters, and others have kind of lived – off an old reputation yep. that has henceforth not exactly produced results. There um, you go.
0: All right, strength and conditioning. Good.
1: I mean, I like Fitz. I, I think, but it, has it translated immediately? I think they are a stronger football team. They, they, but they're still getting blown out.
3: Player development, Rob. Too early. I mean, I think it's too early when you're talking about the kids that,
0: that Jeremy brought in. But I mean, I, I think that I think they're good teachers. I mean, I, I do believe that. Yeah. Um, Player relationships. I mean, he's also got practice drills and motivation. You know, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know that Jeremy's the biggest rah-rah guy in the world from a motivation standpoint. But I, I think motivation a lot of times is, is overrated. I mean, I think that's that goes back to recruiting. If you if you if you've got a bunch of guys on your your team that you have to spend the whole time trying to get them to play hard, you probably missed on your recruiting evaluations. Um, player relationships better than they were. I, think, I, think, I, I was going
3: to say just better. I mean, clearly yeah.
0: better. I mean, last year I don't. I think he struggled with that, and this year I think he's made a concerted effort. Um, game planning. This is on Pruitt, by the way. Game planning.
3: I mean, I, I, I don't think
1: you can give him high marks there. But no. Also, I mean, I, I, I the also, silence is deafening for me because we know. I mean, we just. The when you State. don't plan for Georgia State. Right. It's hard to give you. It's hard. I mean. Right. In game coaching decisions. He was better it's, – it's odd to say this, he was better in year one than he's been through four games this season. I don't, I don't know why that's the case, but the results have shown that – they have proven out on the field that, that for that to be true thus far.
0: And overall, head coaching, organizational skills, I think for me that goes back to the learning curve he's had. I think he's better at some of it than he's been. I still think his biggest adjustment is trying to coach a football team that doesn't have – is not littered with parade All-American talent that you can just – I go back to his comment, Rob, I is, you know, I've had game plans where we've had one defensive call. Yeah. Well, of course you did because you were playing, you were an NFL team playing against a team he's, that couldn't line up you against you. You were better you, at every position. You know, because you were better at every spot. I, I I think there's an adjustment for him that he's still trying to deal with of playing with lesser talented guys. I totally agree with You that. know, I, I think that, you know. I think that there's a little bit of a struggle where, particularly on the defensive side, where it's like, well the call was a good call. Well it may be a good call, but if you can't execute the call, it ultimately ends up not being a good call. So I think that's part of the learning curve that he has dealt with as a head coach. I Heart Vols, since you dodged my question in the last Mailbag podcast, I guess that's a knock on me, about paper four stars, I'll ask it in a different way. Since Jesse and Austin go to the camps and see these guys in person, which guys on the current roster and which commits do you think were bad evals, assuming a four star is an eventual SEC starter? Are the Melrose kids true four stars?
2: Melrose, I think he's talking about Whitehaven,
0: right. not Melrose. Um, you know, I
2: think Bryson Easton is a true four star. Um, French, I, I you know, again, that's – I think he's kind of – we talk about, you know, um, McDonald being a tweener. I'm, I think French is kind of a tweener too in, in a lot of ways. Um, but, again, I, do I think he can help this football team? I do. Um, you know, um, you know as far as guys that are on this roster that, you know, were four stars that maybe weren't, I mean, I've kind of highlighted my thoughts on that 2017 class at nauseum. You know, and the, the more people that that bolt on out of here, the more, you know, I think that kind of proves to be true. They just weren't good enough. Um, you know, and that goes to the Will Ignot, who was a four star, and you know, you know, right on down the line. Well, let's
0: let's just look at his. Let's look at his class last year, first full year class. We'll we'll take we'll take a pass on his uh, first class that he threw together in nine in, days. In yeah. nine days, let's look at this class from an evaluate his evaluation standpoint. Um, Henry T's a four star. Maybe Hit. underrated. <laughs> right. Darnell Wright, five star. Looks the part. Has all looks the part. I yeah. mean, I think moving in the right direction for that one to be inaccurate. Yeah. Uh, Crouch was a four star. Hit. Okay. Eric Gray, a four star. Hit. Got to get the ball more. Got to get the
1: ball more. Needs need ball security, but he certainly has electric ability. All right. Uh, Darrell Middleton, a three star. About Bush. what he was rated. I mean, it's about what he's rated.
2: I mean, yeah. I, I'm not going to say a kid's a two star. or Something right. like if he's you're a three star, I mean, it's he's looking. He's what he playing. Is.
0: He's in a rotation. He's be getting better against the run. Never, never going to brush the passer very well. I don't think that's who he is. We, we don't know. Him, we don't know him means at this point. No. Athletically, he looks good, but we'll we'll see on that one. McCullough, a four star. I think he has a football IQ of a four star. I think the questioner about him remains: What positions is he going to play? Is he a safety for career? Can he move laterally? What, well what does he in do? Yeah. SEC? Savion Williams, a four-star? I think that's that's not a hit. I, I think that one, yeah, I think that rating. And he didn't, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt didn't put this rating out there, but I think that one's being kind at this point. Don't know on fields yet. I think the jury's still early on Warren Burrell, even though he's playing a lot. He's taking a lot of scars right now, yeah. as you like to point out. But he's lining up and playing in the SEC as a player. Well, and
2: he's playing way underside. I mean, like, he needs a, a full year in the weight room. I right. mean, like, He's just so
1: small. Yeah. So, and, and Pruitt strongly believes in him. Right. For, I mean, for what it's worth. I mean, I mean, like, he believes in him right now as we sit here on September, whatever, 27th, than he does Alante Taylor, who's a four-star.
0: Long story short, without running through all 25 of them, because we're going to move on to the next question, I, I think it goes back to the previous question. One of the staff's strengths has been their evaluations in recruiting. They've had – that they've had more hits than they have misses in their evaluations, regardless of the stars. Well, I mean, they took Roman Harrison when nobody knew about him. He ends up as a four-star. Right, and, but he wasn't know, when he committed to You know,
2: Tennessee. correct. And, that, and we still don't know because he's not played enough. Um, but, you know, you talk to other people in practice, you know, he's making a lot more plays than a guy like J.J. Peterson who came in as the most heralded recruit in the year before. All right, was – Carrot Garland, too. Yeah. I mean,
1: Carrot Garland was a, was, a, was a eval that they banked on has been arguably one of their two or three best defensive linemen. He
0: year. was pretty salty against the run on Saturday. I mean yeah. if you're looking for a highlight out of that, he was pretty yeah. pretty salty. Rob Priestval, this one I'll throw to you first. Pruitt said on Wednesday his team's uh, this team's hundred times did he say hundred times 100, better? hundred yeah. times better than last year. If last year's team and this year's team played, who you taking and why? Ah man, <laughs>
3: I don't know if there's a right answer to that one, but I don't. I don't believe they're 100 percent better. I mean, I, I don't. I don't see how you can arrive at that conclusion.
2: Well, I mean, I would say last year's team because JG was a lot better than JG. Jared Garantano was a hell of a lot better than Jarrett
1: Garantano. Okay, and that's just the truth. And and two of those defensive linemen on last year's team were on NFL rosters and, and had tackles on Sunday in yeah. the National Football League. So uh,
0: I don't. I don't think you would lose those guys. You know, and a quarterback play fall off the way it is and say, "Look, I, I get what he' said he's saying they're a hundred times better because he believes their buy-in's better, okay, he likes better them condition. better because he has better relationships with them, they're better conditioned. he thinks the younger talent is better than the talent he had a year ago. The problem is his quarterback play is not being good enough to get him to three and one. And to give him a chance to to win at Florida. Now it's not all quarterback, his, but but the point is the quarterback play has not been good. His now. veterans
2: a year ago were better than his veterans this year. Does that make sense? I mean, like the the, the Tuttles, the, the Kyle Phillips. Yes, were better than the Daryl Taylors and 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 those guys as far as impact on the on the on the
1: team. In my opinion, to this point, I mean, DT's just ha- he, he's been fine. He just hasn't been awesome. I don't think D T's been bad this year. He just has he just hasn't, you know no, everyone, but, but but everyone got enamored with the fact that he had the seven sacks in two games and he got he popped up on multiple like, you know, first round, second round NFL mock draft lists and he has not fulfilled that potential but Yeah. I mean Juwan's been their best receiver. He has. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he has because he's been healthy. I mean, yeah. he's been
0: better than he was a year ago. If you want to go you know, Kennedy's gotten better each game. Right. Tight ends are playing better than they played a year ago. I mean, they're, they're better. Yeah, I mean, Austin
1: Postman, a revelation. Yeah.
0: I mean, he's played well. Um, uh, UT Mark, if the 2020 class starts going south, do you have to clean house and try to save a longer rebuild? Can this program survive
1: a poor class at this point? I mean, this gets back to the Philip Fulmer stuff, Whatever whenever decision he makes, it's gonna ha- it, it it'll be about recruiting. I mean, the, the he's not gonna directly address that, but that's what the message is ultimately gonna be, uh, the point of the message. Yeah.
0: Um, DB Six Strings, how many recruiting slots are available for 2019? Will this be impacted by portal departures so they can add scholarship offers? The answer to that is 25. They got 10 spots, 11 spots left if they hold on to what they have right now. Um, is, is a simple answer to that one. Uh, Army uh, Dirt Dirt Dart, do you think the reason for Coach Pruitt not jumping on the Mauer wagon, performance excluding, is that you could possibly lose both of the other two quarterbacks to transfer, J.G. being benched, would he stay? Question mark. Shrout may also transfer uh, as he would have been passed out. That would only leave you with one scholarship quarterback left in the room. Um mm-hmm. We literally I mean, I mean this, is, this
1: is, this goes back to people continue to try to throw this at me on the board. I have not ever said that I think Jared Garantano should go to the NFL, but it is something in the summer he was literally, he, he was, and he, folks he and around, him around him. We're, were talking, talking about, about it. And very seriously,
2: the people on campus yes. were having to take that into consideration. Which is why they went so
1: hard Hart, after Haines King. King right. That's right. Yep. Um, and and we've also said there there's also the possibility that Trout could leave or any of them. or any of them right you but know, but, it, but he whichever one shirt, don't right, whichever one isn't an anointed yeah he redshirted a year ago if That's what an happens
0: an, quarterbacks don't stay you exactly. don't keep deep quarterback rooms
2: which is why you know they've taken the kid as a walk on from Maryland warm and body he
0: moves around throws you may need him and you could never be know. looking at a grad transfer after this year depending on how things go NGA Vol. Uh, Jesse, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, What do we have to do to keep the opposing team and throw the ball down the middle of the football field? Because I know you broke that down in your review piece.
1: Yeah, well, part of that is just, you know, when they talk about one guy busts, I mean, at times it's been poor linebacker depth, you know, uh, just getting way too close to the line of scrimmage and not being in communication with the safeties. At other times, you know, whether it's Nigel or Trayvon Flowers, they've uh, had misalignments and busts on their own. All right. Vol uh, twelve. Rob this to you. If Furos is
0: not cleared, who's the five? Is it Fulky or is it Kent? I would say Fulky,
3: just because Rip will go with defense. But I wouldn't rule.
0: I wouldn't rule out in
3: doing something, you know, funky and playing a complete small ball lineup. With, you know, sliding with, Ponds down. Ponds, I think Pons is going to play the four anyway. You think he's going to play the four think, regardless? I think, I think that they're
0: done. They're done with the with the. They're perimeter done with him handling the
3: ball on the wing. I, I believe. I, I mean. I wouldn't be stunned to see you know Camwa play some some five Rick, in, go really small in, in a small ball. You know he wouldn't be a true five by. I mean, would play forty minutes
0: of that. No, may go
3: some serious small lineup. Totally. I mean, and, and Rick loves that kid. They, I mean, that's that's one guy
0: that he has continually raved about. All right, Big Cat KC two. It's most important to continue to land significant players and game changers. In my opinion, it's landing top in state talent. Uh, what's your opinion on the in state lineman? especially defensive lineman, We've talked about Barron. I'm just asking this question, specifically Omari Thomas.
2: Well, I think Omari Thomas is a guy that honestly could be a top-shelf defensive lineman, but if he don't work out there, could end up being a really top-shelf offensive lineman. How, how I'm not going to close the door on Chris Morris yet because Tennessee continues to swing there. I know that's an offensive lineman, but then you've got Hardy, Barron. They're going to continue to work Ribka. I mean, this is a class that, like, you need to land at least three of those guys I just mentioned. Otherwise, it's a, uh, a big whiff.
0: Alright, last two and then we're out the door. Vol Lover. There was talk the entire offseason about what Pruitt had learned during his first season about being a head coach, what he needed to change heading into year two. From being around the program as much as you, are, you guys are, can you point to any tangible thing that he's changed in an effort to improve? Why hasn't this shown up on the field? I'll take this one. I think he has improved in some areas. I think his dealing with the media has been better. I think his relationship with players has been has been better. I think he clearly gave up some control by giving Jim Cheney, you know the offense and letting Jim Cheney do his thing on the offensive side of the ball. He's let Derek Ansley call defensive plays. I, I, I do think he's adjusted in that way. Why is it not shown up on the field? Well, they've made mistakes. He made a colossal coaching mistake in overlooking his first opponent. Thought he could roll the ball out there and win, which he's almost come out and fully admitted. Um, but, but they did not prepare for that game the way that they needed to. And then they didn't execute. And his, and his quarterback, they haven't made enough plays when they needed to make enough plays. I mean, that, this guy's not filing that question if they're 3-1. and one. Because if they're 3-1, and one, the takeaway is they just don't have all the horses in the stable they need yet to, to win on the road against a big-name opponent in the SEC. But the fact of the matter is they gave a game away against BYU that they shouldn't have lost, and they didn't take their first opponent, you know, they took them too lightly. They didn't they didn't put enough focus on it, which is a head coaching mistake. Agreed? Disagree? Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's the difference between, you know, some hope if you're 3-1 and one versus kind of staring into the abyss still.
0: Well, if you're 3-1 and one and you knew this month was coming – you're like, hey, let's get through and don't get anybody hurt. Let's beat Mississippi State and be four to beat and Mississippi three. Be four and three, right? You know, and 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 then there's South Carolina and people are still talking about seven. Can you find a way to win? You, know, you might win seven football games, and, and that's that's different. As a result, they didn't get it done against the two teams they should have got it done against, and they're one and three. And the whole notion and the narrative now is they may go one and six, and so what happens if that takes place? So we'll continue to uh, check it. We'll continue to look at it. We'll continue to discuss it. We'll continue to tell you everything we know about it um, at VolQuest.com. Or or Jason Vols. That's going to do it for this edition of the Friday Podcast for Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Jesse Simpton. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.